This episode brought to you by MCD Oil. That's right. Move over, MCT Oil. Now McDonald's has a health solution for you. MCD Oil is beef fat that's been refined, re-refined, and rendered in our deep fat vats to give you the intense and beautiful power and essence of the bovine form. Got an ache or a pain? Rub some MCD oil on it, and you'll instantly notice that inflammation turn to a healthy, deep purple glow. Put a squirt of MCD oil in your coffee every morning for the fastest number two you've ever taken. Just visit mcd.health and enter True Horror at checkout to receive a 50-gallon vat of MCD oil for only $4. The best part? It doubles as biodiesel. MCD oil. Bio-grease for your gears. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk, an opinionated and accidentally funny horror movie review show. Your schlubby hosts each week are Bryce Hansen, the cool collected nihilist, and David Day, proud father and excellent wheelie popper. New theatrical releases always get priority, but we also review older horror movies, both good and horrible. I'm David Day. I'm Bryce Hansen. And at the top of the show, we're going to be plugging our website. Check us out at horrormovietalk.com. We got tons. At this point, we've got like a little more than six months worth of episodes up. And, you know, you can check them all out. We got a couple blogs. Keith's got another blog on the way about uh, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's it's pretty good, too. Man, that that guy cranks out, like, huge, like, <laughs> dissertations on, on, like, deep dives into movies. Yeah. So check us out on HorrorMovieTalk.com. We also post on social media, mostly uh, Twitter and Facebook. You can find links to those on our website. We post new episodes every Wednesday. So check us out on Wednesday. Bring us with you on your drive to work. Uh, or, you know, while you're sitting at home, unemployed, whatever it is, uh, subscribe to us and leave a review of the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, we joined Amazon Associate Program, uh, which means that you can support the podcast by buying or renting any movie or product on Amazon if you just go to our site and click through that green link at the very tippy top right of the site. Um, so we get a little portion of whatever you buy after you click that link. So if you wanted to really help us out, you could book part, bookmark that link and, uh, and that'll go a long way to, you know, helping, helping us out. Also, you can take our audience survey. Let us know a little bit more about you, what you'd like to hear on the show. We are always interested in, on, in, um, refining our, you know, the show and making it better and more, more enjoyable for you. So take our audience survey. It's also available, um, in the main nav of the website. And finally, last plug shutter.com. It's the online streaming service for horror, all things, horror shows, movies, curated lists of horror. And, uh, and if you enter HMT at checkout, uh, you get an extra almost month of of shutter service for for free so you get a 30-day free trial and then to subscribe to shutter for for realsies you can get a full year of of streaming horror movies for like three dollars a month something like that so it's a pretty good deal yeah if you're on if you ever use amazon prime to watch videos you'll notice if you come across some horror movies that are pretty decent that aren't included in amazon prime 
it'll give you the option to to subscribe to Shutter. Yeah. So either click through our Amazon link, uh, and then subscribe, and to then Shutter. subscribe to Shutter, or or just go to Shutter. Just go to Shutter dot com. I think I think in subscribe. that case, I I would prefer that the listener use HMT at checkout. Yeah. Go to go to Shutter dot com and and sign up with the HMT code because that gets you a whole month for free instead of just seven days. Yeah. Yeah, so check Shutter out. They're great. They got a ton of. Uh, actually, at the at the end of the show, I'm going to be going over some of the more notable uh, things available on Shutter right now. So you know, stick around to the end, and you'll get to hear what you know what's available. What what great stuff is available on Shutter right now? Yeah, lots of good stuff. Today we will be talking about a new release in theaters right now: Escape Room. Escape Rue. It's a foreign film. <laughs> Italian film. Escape Room. That's right. Uh, we start out by giving a brief review and score for the movie. We score on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being horrible, 10 being amazing, and 5 being totally average, pretty meh. Uh, exactly and, what you would expect. Yeah, exactly what you would expect. Uh, after our score, we'll get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what we liked and hated about the film. Later, we will be, uh, in the, after our review, we will be doing the Rotten Tomatoes game, which is a, a, pr- a pretty cool new game where I pit two movies against each other. Uh, they're Rotten Tomato scores against each other, and Bryce has to determine which one uh, has the higher Rotten Tomato score. Th- this week, the, uh, the theme of that will be 1980s horror. And after that, we'll be doing horror movie news, and maybe a little bit of it came from social media. So stick around for the end of the end of the show. Thanks again for listening, and let's get into it. So as I said, we went and saw Escape Room in theaters, and this movie is most accurately described as tense and fun bad. As in, it's bad enough to be fun, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, what would you? How would you say that summary is? <laughs> it's accurate. Yeah. Fun bad. Okay. One word. Yeah. Not hyphenated, just just fun bad. F U N B A D. One yeah. word. It was goofy as all sin and it's a it's a if you have friends that you like going to the movie theater with and having just uh just a, you know, a light fun time, escape rooms it. I think. Yeah. So here's the trailer. Little boxes on the hillside. Little boxes made of tiki tacky little boxes on the hillside. And they all look just the same. You want to control your life, but life isn't a science experiment. You can't contain your world forever. Try doing one thing that scares you over break, okay? Yeah. This serves as an entry voucher for Minos escape rooms. Be the, the first, first to escape, escape our most immersive room yet. And win a million dollars. So, uh, when does the game start? I think this is the escape room. We should look for clues. What are we looking for here? Anything that looks like a puzzle or a code. It looks like an oven dial. Real. That's kind of warm up in here. Uh, excuse me. We'd like our hit now, please. Well, that's creepy as hell. Is it getting hotter? How do we get out of here? It's Fahrenheit 451. 
immersive. What's wrong with you? That was real. Wow. Dumb question. Are we outside? As soon as we get this figured out, as soon as we get the hell out of here. Who would do this? They know every move that we're making. They knew everything about us. This is my hospital bed. Me too. They made these rooms for us. Have you ever seen things that weren't there before? I am not imagining this. Surviving is a choice. I want to That's why they chose us. And they all look just the same. So Escape Room uh, can be found in theaters right now. and uh, take... For the next week or two, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how fast movies, um, especially... Horror movies. Horror yeah. movies. Smaller horror movies. I think Slender Man lasted in the theaters for like a couple weeks. A couple days. But that one was much worse than this one. Yeah, it was... That was hard to... Almost impossible to follow. And this movie was almost too easy to follow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, t- take a okay, audience. <laughs> take a stab at what escape room is about. If you guessed an escape room, <laughs> you are correct. So, uh, pretty much everything about this movie is summed up in like that sentence. Take a, everything about this is very surface level. It's all given to you over and over again by loud. Narr- narrative characters and annoying characters and annoying characters but they're fun like they're enduringly annoying escape room is a thriller about a group of strangers who are brought together by an unknown presence that sends out puzzles to each of them and when they complete the puzzle it gives them an invitation to compete in a new premier escape room in their area the inf- in- invitation claims that if they beat the escape room, they can win ten grand. Uh, what they don't know is that they're playing for their lives. I think one of the lessons we can learn from this movie and Hellraiser is if you find a mysterious cube that's a puzzle, just leave it alone. Assume that's Pandora's box, idiot. Yeah. Like, wh- just don't do it. Don't just don't do that. Don't touch that box. It's <laughs> it's a bad idea, man. Yeah. Th- Another thing about this movie is they have a decent enough pre- like they ha- they cover their ass in every scenario. It's like why would you fuck with that? Like if I got some something, but the reason they fucked with it is because the box came from someone they all trusted, right? Like so it was addressed as like Aunt Hilda like sent mm-hmm. this. So it's like I like Aunt Hilda. She sent me a puzzle, which is all conveniently you know yeah. it's very convenient. Right. And um, Escape Room is like I said before, it's fun and funny, but mostly it's terribly written. <laughs> the, the, I should say the dialogue is terribly written. The dialogue is laughable and made up of constant exposition about what is happening at any given moment. And it's also what's what makes this movie fun. The bones of the movie are decent, and it's pretty much exactly what I expected it would be. Maybe a little bit more fun, just because it was so silly. 
mostly, I had such a fun time watching it with Bryce and being exasperated at the silly dialogue that Escape Room ended up being more fun than I expected it would be. That being said, I expected it to be like a three or a four, and now I'm giving it a totally average <clears throat> five. That's that's all this movie is. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty generous. It is. I think. Uh, I... I originally, in the theater, gave it a three. Mm-hmm. But after seeing David's enthusiasm and reflecting a little bit on... The experience. the Well, not only the experience, but there is some good bones in this movie in terms of setup and the actual rooms that they're in and some of the puzzles. It's passable. Like, the only thing that really ruins it is the dialogue and the characters. Yeah, the Um, editing is fine. The sets are great. The 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 visuals are pretty. Directing's not that great. No, the directing is... Directing's pretty bad. Some (laughs) some of the editing is is weird. But I'd... Yeah, I'm moving it up to a low four. A low four. Very, very low four. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, it would not be a high five for me. It'd probably be on the low end of the five spectrum, but it was exactly what I expected, if not a little bit more fun. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, uh, we I think we can, we're safe to transition into spoilers. Spoilers. Oh, sorry. Escape Room starts out by introducing us to the six narrators of the movie. And I say narrators instead of characters because every single action, every single action taken by every character in Escape Room is narrated with gusto by at least one of the six main characters. Yeah, I I wrote down as they're oh, introducing yeah. the characters that this is like a pilot episode of a Power Rangers Oh, man. It totally is. Because you're introduced individually to yeah. each character it, as their stereotypical uh, personality trait. Yeah. Yeah. You know, first we, we see the the black guy and he's stereotypical stock trader bro. Yeah. Ultra, ultra bro. And, you know, he's on the phone talking about high power trades and how smart he is and how all these other losers are losing their money and how how rich he is and and his rich clients buy low sell high yeah and then the zoe the the main character is she's very smart but so she doesn't have social skills she's <laughs> she's in class in university and talking about quantum physics and, and taking advice from her from her concerned professor, who's also kind of cute. Right. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so it introduced them all as a mid-90s yeah. children's show for dumb people. That's remarkably accurate. And I so much so that I, I believe that each character did have that moment, but it got cut out for time. Yeah. Because... It introduces three people, and they're not particularly more important than. I guess they're they're a little more important a than the other bit. characters, but then there's three other characters that you meet in the waiting room. 
Yeah. And I'm sure all of them had their oh, yeah. Willy Wonka Power Rangers introduction <laughs> to their Willy Wonka. <laughs> and so yeah, it was it was I already knew at that point like right after the the opening scene that oh this is what this is. Oh no. Yeah. And I I guess it's my fault cuz I should have just asked myself what what do you expect? I mean that's right. exactly what I should have expected. Right. Yeah, I I think you go in with higher hopes for with ev- for everything than I do, and I go in with lower hopes. So I'm constantly like impressed, and you're constantly let down. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Of the actors in Escape, uh, by the way, Willy Wonka. So the original that movie, like if you go back and watch that, more than half of it is the beginning, like yeah. of just introducing yeah. these people and and being like, oh, life is so shitty. Ugh. Yeah, the actual tour around the Wonka factory is like a couple minutes. Yeah, it's like the last third. <laughs> and and as a kid, I remember just that first part just being such a dredge and being like, oh, that grandma's feet are touching that grandpa's feet. <laughs> Ugh. Like gross feet in that bed. Anyway. The clothes soup. She's singing <laughs> Cheer Up Charlie. <laughs> That's what I always go to. Cheer up, Charlie. Swishing that clothes, those dirty clothes around in that mud soup. <laughs> Ugh. They're going to feed that to the grandparents later. <laughs> They're poor. They need to get protein sources from wherever they can. Uh, skin flex. Uh, <laughs> of the actors in Escape Room, the two that you will probably notice the most from other projects are Amanda, who's played by Deborah Ann Wall, who you might remember as the redhead from True Blood. I remembered her for, as the redhead from True Blood. I wrote down, <laughs> I wrote down, poor man Sophia Turner. <clears throat> yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. Um, she's the, uh, she's the busty woman from Mad Men? No. No, Sophia Turner is, um... Sansa Stark from Game of Thrones. Another reference that you won't understand. Okay, yeah, I don't understand that reference. I'm sorry. I pretended to because I wanted to be cool. Uh, the other notable character that you might r- recall from from this movie is Mike, who's played by Tyler Labine, who is Dale from Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Uh, he's, he's also a producer on Tucker and Dale. Yeah. Shock. We talk about terrible dialogue, and it really was terrible. Somehow... He can, His lines, he, he can pull it out to where it works, and I, because he's that guy, so impressive. Yeah, he really, yeah, he he nailed it so perfectly that I mean, it's because Schlock is his is where he was formed, right? Right. Like Schlock is his deal, so it so he can when he delivers it, it's almost like he's delivering it as schlock instead of as serious so it comes across as intended kind of right it's very impressive yeah it's just a very his his readings of the dialogue are feel very natural like yeah. a very natural reaction to what's happening as opposed to taking it seriously kind of this needs to be said right now right yeah <laughs> yeah that's accurate the other one of the other main characters is Zoe. Actually, she's like kind of one of the two main characters, and she's played by Taylor Russell, who I recognized from the recent Netflix show Lost in Space. I believe that was released early uh, 2018. It was a pretty good show. If you haven't seen Lost in Space on Netflix, you should. 
everyone else is kind of an up-and-comer. So, in Escape Room, everyone gets the invitation and shows up to what they believe to be the lobby of the Escape Room. Turns out the lobby is the first room they have to escape. Shocking. And it quickly turns into an oven. Well, actually, first, in the in the uh, prologue of the movie, or the... When it's well, anyways, it starts in the middle of the action in the in the room that squishes. Remember? Yes, that's right. So the it starts out with one of the characters at the very beginning of the movie, and he's in a he's in an escape escape room, and it's squishing him. Yeah, like it's it's closing in. The walls are closing in on him. Right. So that's technically the first one you see, but you know you quickly figure out like, oh well, he must be the last one to survive. Right. Yeah, it sets it up to be, here's the one who survives. Yeah. But I must say, it doesn't set up the movie in a great way for me because I looked at all the things in that room and I'm like, there's no way that that wall can close on all those things and crush someone because there's like solid oak furniture. Dude, all that needs to happen is one of those pieces of solid oak furniture pushing up against your butt. Yeah, I guess. But... Just, like, move a bookcase over and stand on top of it or something. I think you greatly overestimate your ability to survive in a squish room. All right. Maybe that's true. That's just me. I mean, I I don't I don't particularly think I stand too much of a chance in that scenario. That wall was closing in pretty quickly. There was a lot of furniture. Who knows how big those hydraulic presses were. True. Mm. Is that goal regulation size or what? So... Everyone gets the invitation. They enter the first. Uh, they enter the fir- the lobby, what they think to be the lobby, and it turns into an oven. And then the hijinks ensue. And <laughs> as soon as you think it's dialed up to ten, it's not, and it gets even crazier. And then the fan in the room turns into a jet <laughs> of flames. And you know they're all, oh, it's hot! It's hot! Hey. Hey, it's hot. Constant exposition about how hot it is. Yeah, one of my criticisms about the escape rooms and the premises is it sets up very quickly that this is a dire situation. Yeah. And we're going to die soon. And then they take way too long. Yeah. You know, in terms of the, the tension isn't through the editing. It isn't communicated the passage of time very well because so in the heat room the entire ceiling is a heating element yeah and full full heat of electrical heating elements all the columns in there are electrical heating elements right and so they're like oh wow it's hot it's getting it's getting really hot in here and so you would you would assume if you were the director or the editor you would show the passage of time of people getting sweatier removing clothes like getting naked, like getting close to fainting. One jacket was removed, Bryce. One jacket was removed, and that was pretty much it. They were just yelling at each other. It's hot until they figure out how to escape. But there was no, no actual danger other than like, oh, now it's getting worse. Oh yeah, like it, they they were. There was no adverse effects really shown to the people while they were solving. The, the room, right? The it was just like effects. this is getting worse now because there's more heating elements. Yeah, and now it's look, there's flames now. It's we're gonna be in real big trouble. They did try and solve for that by showing the mannequin 
that was in the room. Right. And, and the mannequin was melting. Right. Meanwhile, the people were fairly comfortable looking. Yeah, it looked like they had, like, two spritzes of a of a spray bottle on their face. And that yeah. was pretty much it. Yeah. If, so, there, if it was hot enough to melt <laughs> a plastic mannequin yeah the, you would be close to death the elastic in your underwear would be melding to your skin right yeah i mean assuming you have elastic in, i have elastic in my underwear <laughs> yeah and then uh and then so it's it's great because they're the whole time well i mean the way they tried to solve for that is number one with the melting mannequin and number two with the people constantly yelling at the audience it's getting hot it's hot in here it's i'm very hot is are those elements and then they they escape. They escape into... And the writers, you'll be thinking, what next genius room are they going to move into? What could possibly... I'm going to give the audience a, a second to figure this out. Right. Audience, after hot, what comes next? If you're a genius Hollywood writer... Right. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, one, hmm. two. I, I just imagine the writers' room. All right, we got a hot room. Another, another hot room. Another, no, no. That's not right. I mean, Maybe. hotter room. Oh, oh, like no. Make sure it's really hot. Okay, yeah, but the, because the last one wasn't that hot, as b- because no one was really sweating or anything. Yeah. Okay. The sweaty room. No. no, 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 no. Uh, oh, I got it. Steam room. I got it. No. Are you ready? Yeah. Cold. <gasps> Fuck. Yeah, you it's, are. It's going in. It's Pay going this. in the script. No, actually, it probably brought in like a script doctor to punch it <laughs> to punch it up. That would be sad. Like, all right, guys, you got six rooms that are all hot. <laughs> <laughs> Our theme well, for the movie: heat. What? What about a? What about a cold room? Ooh. Thro- Fuck, why I, didn't I think of that? I love it. So they it's go like into the sauna into the snow. Yeah. All right, and they go into the cold room. Which is basically the the um, what's it called in Star Trek: The Next Generation? The holodeck. The holodeck. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is the holodeck. They start out in a little cabin, and they got to like work their way out of the cabin by by. Um, well, I'm not going to give away the the very hard to solve puzzle that they <laughs> that they get out of this room with. But it's laughable. All right. The clue is, I mean, we won't give you the solution, but they're in a cabin and written on the wall in, embro- in, in um, like needlepoint or something like that is you'll go down in history. Yeah. And it is kind of close to the Christmas season. So maybe. I mean, some... you'll never be able to guess it. You'll I mean, never. it could be anyone. It's probably like a president. Probably a president. James Madison. Yeah, the characters are all pretty sure it's like Madison. You know. Maybe. Anyway, so they work. They get their way out of the cabin, and then they're in the out of doors in the hollow deck, and because uh, <laughs> it opens up to winter time in Alaska. Yeah. And uh, they're kind of on like a frozen lake. Yeah. And uh, and there's some trees around. And it's just it's just very cold, and uh, and they kind of they they kind of waffle around. I mean, I don't know if we need to do we need to get into every one of the. I can go. I have a list of the rooms, and I can like read them off. Let's list the rooms, and then we can talk about the stupid stuff in each one of them if we need to. Okay, I like that. So there is there's uh, six different rooms, I believe. Let me see here. 
one, two, three, four, five, six, and kind of a seventh. So there's the oven, mm-hmm. hot. There's the ice cabin, mm-hmm. cold. There's the upside down for some reason bar. Uh huh. It's so it's just like a speakeasy kind of. Yeah, you see it in the trailer too. There's a medical. Tre- this is in order, by the way. There's a medical treatment facility, kind of, um, kind of think um, military medical treatment facility. There's a trippy drug room with spirographs all over the place, mm-hmm. and then there's the squishy flat study, and uh, and then there are several kind of final levels that are. Uh, slash false endings to this movie. Yeah. That kind of all count as escape rooms. Yeah. The <laughs> And all each room correlates to one of the main characters' backstories. Personal trauma. And admittedly, it is a relatively clever device to use. Yeah. Because it does make the movie more interesting than just the escape room. That you learn about the backstory of the characters, which aren't necessarily that interesting. Yeah, it it, it fleshes them out a bit, makes them more human, and makes their struggle seem significant and real. Yeah, it just shows some traumatic event that they went through, and then it acts as the key for the escape room. Which is simultaneously clever and a very stupid move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, like, that's one of the big... Um, like if, if you're somebody who, who has an issue with continuity, uh, throughout a movie, if, if continuity, if you find continuity errors easily and they bother you very much, this one will bother you like very, very much because every, because all of these puzzles are so specifically geared towards one person's personal past trauma if that person dies out of sequence, all the rest of them are hosed. But through some series <laughs> of 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 kit movie kismet, every character dies at the appropriate time to make sure that the next ones can go through. That is to say, they figure out the puzzle and then die. Well, I don't know. I think one or two of them are solved after the person that is related to but they they have the information by that time they've they've been given the information right so yeah yeah they do they do realize that maybe a little bit and try and give you a workaround for it but you're already halfway through the movie by the time they do so if you lost three people at this and in the first room then everybody's home (laughs) so here's the thing about this movie i was thinking this is actually a pretty good premise for a horror movie because escape rooms are more popular now and you know saw was successful yeah just puzzle based horror movies can be pretty good um and i thought yeah that 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 could be clever you could make it a dark escape room where yeah. they're, they're in danger and <laughs> sitting in the theater and watching people solve an escape room no matter how frantic and quick and how much yelled out lines and how many stakes are raised it's just not interesting to see people solve puzzles in real time. Yeah, it's like watching your sister, you know, put together, piece together a puzzle on the table. Okay, call out the numbers. I see a one. I see, I see this. Oh, look, there's colors. Yeah, like it's, it's so silly. It's just like, 
oh yeah this is what it would be like to have an escape room in a movie and yeah it's not it doesn't really work out that great yeah it's not that interesting the re yeah so this movie is very saw a lot of people have compared this to the saw or uh, saw in in premise and that's true it's just a lesser uh, a, a lower stakes saw yeah because or- there's no there's no like uh you know sophie's choice kind of moment where it's like right you have to sacrifice something or it's nefarious because there's no way to win you know it's not it's not that it's there's literally one, there there is a there's a solution to all these things there's one sophie's choice moment in the trippy drug room where they're given only oh, one yeah, antidote yeah. and there's two of them left but what if all all six people had made it to that point then there'd been real sophie's choice moment like there's only one antidote and we all have to split it equally or who knows like but wait were they gonna die or was it just they would stop tripping i can't even remember yeah it was kind of they would stop it's a good question i'm not i'm not totally yeah. not totally certain that one so each of the rooms was correlated to a person in the party except that room that one's just random <laughs> yeah it's just no they're on drugs no because the medical room it talked about one of the one of the characters their tragedy had to do with carbon monoxide and that yeah. was the room was filling with gas and I, i'm pretty sure that was carbon monoxide and so the trippy room probably could have been that so my theory is that there was another character that they cut out of the movie I, that died in the first room whatever it was it could be that it's not it's not openly explained the the other possibility is the trippy drug room could relate to um our uh, male protagonist uh whose personal trauma was he crashed a car with his friends in the car because he was in heavily intoxicated no his was the cabin his was no the cabin was the the um the businessman the uh the high power businessman because the jacket no i mean no that was the outside the cabin part before they go outside is druggy dude that crashed there was yeah he did he did have yeah he i guess there were elements of because it was i mean that was technically two escape rooms the cabin itself and then outside yeah yeah that's true but that's a pretty weak escape you get one single punch. Yeah, it was yeah. the dumbest. Yeah, it's, it was it's, the dumbest one. That was the you'll go down in history. So, uh, okay, we're in the spoiler section, so, so I'm able to tell you this. Right, I don't know. Hold on to your hats. Hold on to your butts. Hold on to your hats and butts. You'll go down in history is a reference go on. to the song Rudolph the Red. <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh! Oh, and this is a great example of another thing about this movie that it—the most eye-rolling thing for me in movies—is when the obvious thing is stated, and the other characters don't go like, "Oh yeah, yeah," or "What? Oh, I'm an idiot. Why didn't Why didn't we think of that? That's so stupid." Instead, it's what like, do they do? They're like, <laughs> so they're given the clue. You'll go down in history, and they're like. All right, who who's famous? U.S. President uh, James James Madison. How do you spell Madison? And then they're just grasping at straws like a fucking idiot. And then and then they say, then the guy like pieces to together through the memories 
of his lifetime. And all the, you know, singing, the reindeer antlers on the wall. <laughs> singing, the seven reindeer antlers. Singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in his head. And he's like, wait a minute. This might be, it might be Rudolph. And they're like. Rudolph goes down in history in that song. And so he says, try Rudolph. And instead of like saying, oh yeah, why didn't we think of that? Or, the guy goes like, Rudolph. Okay. Well, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> See, and we, <laughs> this is, that's a great point. And we've been bagging on this movie pretty heavily because of that kind of stuff. But the biggest problem with the with this movie is that silly, horrible dialogue, and it's actually a bit of a strength to me. Like it's what <laughs> it's what elevated this is the laughably bad dialogue and exposition. Everything in this movie is so corny. Every word they say is narrated so heavily and so full of exposition. Every character, every thought, every single part is narrated. And it was bothersome at first, but then it became so ridiculous and so dependable that it, that it became a, like a companion of f- f- with me throughout the movie. And I was able to look <laughs> over at you and see you roll your eyes like almost your retinas detaching every 10 to 15 seconds. And it was terrible and great at the same time. It was a strength for this movie. Yeah. It was all calling out the obvious. Yeah. You know, as I guess you would in an escape room. But just, yeah, and just bad dialogue. Just uh, from early on, the very beginning of the movie, there's a couple lines like, oh, what did the professor say to her? He said something he said, like, go out and make some friends. Go, that's my advice to you, girl. No, that was that was the grocery store guy. Yeah. The the professor was, hold on. I got it. No, I think they both got the same piece of advice. Just going over my notes. One of my notes is, this is bad. I don't know what the professor said, but it was just laughably bad. Oh, later when when the when Zoe is talking with her friend about the professor or something, the professor said, um, the friend says, "Are you guys doing it?" <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, that's the. I don't know. I don't know why that stands out for me as like the bar. Who? <laughs> out of all the interesting ways you could have asked that question, it's just like. Are you guys doing it? She's like sheepishly smiles. You guys aren't doing it, are you? So some. Uh, oh yeah, and then, <laughs> and then this is another like obvious line when the when the black guy is. I should probably know the character name. So I don't know. I don't racist by saying the black guy. Um, when Stockbro gets the the box and he's like trying to open it, <laughs> and there's a line of like. All right, great. S- sending me some unopenable box. <laughs> yeah, everything, everything has to be narrated yeah. in the most corny way imaginable. Uh, so this actually spawns a question to the audience uh, for me. What is the unforgivable sin that makes movies unenjoyable for you? I thought that Escape Room would be terrible, but it ended up being pretty fun because of the silly exposition and dialogue. I have a feeling, let me guess for you, Bryce, the the... The mortal sin that a movie can commit is horrible writing, is horrible, horrible narr- narration or, or dialogue. Is that, is that the thing you, that you can't stand? I think specifically giving a lot of exposition in dialogue in a way that's just clunky, that you could have done in a better way. You could have, you could have explained it 
by showing it or talking about a tangential plot point or character trait. Trusting in the audience's intelligence. Yeah, so I, I call it like the romantic movie personality exposition, where it's the best friend is talking with the the uh, protagonist, and they're like, you're the type of person that does this. <laughs> yeah, that does bother you. It's you, like, it brings, uh, you bring it up so frequently. That's how I know. It, you, it, because you so frequently write down, like, every piece of goofy exposition or, or like, in-your-face dialogue, you, almost, you write down. And I saw you at the start of this movie start to do that, and then you just gave up. Half, like, like within 10 minutes, it was like, there's just too much of this to keep up with. I'm just going to be looking at my notebook the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a pretty bad one. I mean, there's, there's ways to do it good, and uh, I don't know. But to a certain extent, you have to do it in scripts or in plays because that's just what you go off of. And also... A lot of this stuff, I I, th- I think you have to put that in because originally this movie is just a script. Yeah. And it has to get approved by some studio and get people reading it and on board and to understand what's going on. And if you're not the Coen brothers, nobody trusts you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I can't really think of of the thing that really, the standout that really ruins a movie for me. Uh I tell you what, I really dislike um, chop choppy edits. Like w- w- when you can't tell what's happening, and the edits are and, and the and the chops are just coming so quickly, that really just destroys my ability to stay in the movie at all. I would much prefer a long, longer shots, um, uh, older style of of editing. I think that's mine. So. That's a question to the audience. What's the thing that breaks the cam- the straw that breaks the camel's back for you in movies? We kind of talked about the overall plot premise of Escape Room being similar to Saw. I saw a pretty uh, distinct um, line between this and Unfriended Dark Web. Because at the end of this whole thing, what ends up happening is <clears throat> revealed to the audience... When our protagonist makes it through all the escape rooms... Uh, shocker, he makes it through... Yeah, so th- that's that's one point I had. It shows in the very first scene him getting crushed to death. No question, his face and head are just getting crushed by this room. And then at the end of the movie, like, no, he was he hid in the fireplace. There was the cor- he hid in the correct little uh, cutout of this room and was pushed through. Yeah, I mean, it shows him climbing out of the fireplace, which he didn't climb in. And also in the opening scene, it showed his, like, leg getting punctured. You will have no arguments from me. And him dying. And then it just hopes, since this movie is for dumb people, it hopes that people don't remember what happened an hour ago. Whoa, you're casting a lot of shade on uh, the people who might enjoy this movie here. Um, okay. All right. So so he makes it through he makes it through the final escape room and it's revealed to him by the uh, game master that this is a high stakes betting uh, tournament that is being watched by so in every one of these rooms there are a bunch of cameras where where presumably the game master is is controlling the game and it is revealed that people are betting on this and they're they're watching it for you know for 
shits and giggles on the dark web. So this reminded me a lot of the exact, that's basically the exact premise of Unfriended Dark Web, which is one of the first movies that uh, we did review. You can go back and take a listen to that review, but very similar premise. And then this movie kind of spirals into two or three false endings that really, I mean, they were fine. Like I didn't have any particular problem with them. It could have ended the movie a little bit earlier, and I'd have been cool with that. Yeah, but. I thought I thought either this was going to be an unfriended situation where there was a couple different endings to the movie. Yeah, that we didn't see, or there was one movie, one ending, and then they redid it because it didn't work out well, or stacked it on top of yeah. the other one. Yeah. So, so, I mean, so one of them. This was like a loose end for me. This this also, with the guy that, you know, died in the first scene, then all of a sudden, like, no, he survived, was there was... So Zoe, the character, early, early on in the movie, it shows her looking into a mirror, and it's, like, shaking. And she says the words, oh, no, not again. Yeah, which like makes a panic you, attack or something. Which makes you expect, oh, some... It will be revealed what happened to her or what she experiences... It seems like, because it looked like an earthquake, so it was a hallucination or some kind of thing that she's experienced before. And then there's no payoff for it or explanation, except towards the end of the movie, it's insinuated that maybe she was hallucinating everything. And yeah. so I thought that's what how they were going to end it. And it would have been, I would have been begrudgingly telling myself, yeah, that was actually a pretty clever way to end it. That none of this ever happened, and it was all in her head. But it, which it, is, which is, by the way, exactly how unfriended Dark Web ended. If you recall, wasn't he in a? Wasn't he in a? In a oh no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of that uh, indie movie that the Oil Baron's uh, grandson. Oh yeah, made. the Evil Within. The Evil Within. I'm thinking of that movie. Yeah, man, they're all getting twisted up in my head now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's there's no payoff for it, and then it just goes on says no, it's real. Yeah, they're just really good at cleaning it up and making it look like it's something else. Yeah, so just sloppy. There's there's must have been like a billion rewrites and and a couple reshoots or something because there's some stuff that just never has payoff and doesn't. It's doesn't small connect. stuff though. To be fair, I mean, everything happens so fast and furious in this movie. Uh, too fast, too furious. In fact that it's easy to forget. I mean, it'd be easy for the editors to forget that just because it's, there's nothing really too note. Like the action is what's notable in this movie. Like just that's right. it. Yeah. Um, overall escape room was tense. Number one, like it, it did a good job of ramping up the, the tensity. It was definitely a thriller, a uh, goofy thriller. And it had a few uncomfortable moments, uh, mildly uncomfortable. I mean, there was no there was no significant like gore or anything like that. Yeah, it's a PG thirteen. Yeah, it's I realized a, after the fact. It's a real light and kind of kind of easy on the on the violence. Uh, PG thirteen. Most of the deaths aren't really. They're mostly people falling out of frame, and you never see them again. Right. That's how they die. <laughs> yeah, but there's never anything bordering on quote unquote scary in this in this movie. So right. If you don't, if, if tense, if something kind of tense, but not too scary or not scary at all is your deal, I'd say this is uh this is a movie that, 
that you could enjoy as long as you bring some friends that you can kind of make fun of it with. Yeah, uh, for me, I would recommend not seeing it in the theater. I would say wait a couple months for this to stream. I'd say I'd say go see it in the theater if you want. If you if you just got an hour or two to kill and you want to munch on some popcorn and make fun of uh, a goofy movie. Yeah, it's definitely a MST3K type of experience where you can just be like, oh. it is not that bad. It is it is it is that variety. It's definitely something you can make fun of easily. Yeah, in terms of the characters and how dumb they are, yeah. you can make fun of them. So with that, I think uh, I think that's kind of our final recommendations. That's our review for Escape Room. So let us know what you thought of the movie and uh, if you watched it and let us know what you would like us to review next. Uh, hit us up on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. Um, now we're going to be transitioning into a game called the Rotten Tomatoes game, which we don't have a intro for yet, but I guess we could record it now. We can do it live. We're doing it live. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll set this up later, but I'll, I'll okay. attempt I'll attempt to do it. You're you're yeah. attempting it. Okay. All right. Attack of the Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Almost perfect. <laughs> so this is the Rotten Tomatoes game. Our theme uh, for this game is 1980s horror movies. I pit. Two Rotten Tomato, two movies against each other, and their Rotten Tomato score, their Tato Meter score, is what Bryce has to guess. Which one is higher? So you guys can play along at home. There's going to be five rounds. <gasps> so excited! So Bryce, uh, how how is your knowledge of uh, 1980s horror movies? How would you rate it? Um, not great. Okay, good. Here not go. not great, but I'll say there's there's a lot of meta games. To the Rotten Tomatoes game. Mm -hmm. Because not only are you thinking of, okay, critics just don't like horror movies. Yeah, that's number one, first and foremost. Uh, second of all, um, the longer time period between the release of the movie and now has right. given more and more time for random critics. Yep, like to, us. Like us, to review the movie. And who knows... Like what? It's 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 it, a it's kind of a shit show. Yeah, it's very hard to. There is a bit of a there is a bit of a strategy to it because because there are movies that w were released originally that were just scorned and now over our classics yeah. or over twenty or thirty years they're cult classics or or legit classics even yeah. you know. So without further ado, our first matchup is. Um, Two movies that I'm pretty sure you've seen. I know you've seen one of them. I'm, you have to have seen the other one. Here we go. So we have Sleepaway Camp, which mm -hmm. we reviewed uh, from 1983. Uh, I think you can find that in one of our November releases. No, it hasn't been released yet. Uh, oh, really? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's in reserve. You'll, you'll uh, hear our review of Sleepaway Camp this okay. month or next. Okay, cool. So we got Sleepaway Camp from 1983. And which is now a cult classic, and we have The Lost Boys from 1987, which is also definitely a cult classic. Have you seen The Lost Boys? I have not seen The Whoa! Lost Boys. Oh, that's so crazy. is this the original or the remake? The, oh, original. It's the original, yeah, okay. with uh, Corey Feldman. I would say Lost Boys is better. 
Yeah, yeah. So that's actually wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Sleepaway Camp is 81% fresh, whereas Lost Boys is 74% fresh. Uh, that's pretty close. It's pretty close, but it's a significant... It's a, and, and furthermore, I would not expect Lost Boys to be beaten by Sleepaway Camp. But you I know, think, I Sleepaway Camp was good. It was legit it was, good. I mean, as a movie, it was really decent in terms of character development and... And plot and De- definitely not as mainstream as the Lost Boys. Yeah, and and both of them are cult classics, but in a different feel. Yeah, yeah, both very eighties. Yeah. So the the second pairing, and take your time on this, because right. the audience, you know, they may they uh-huh. may have, have need to need to noodle on it a little uh-huh. bit. So we got nineteen eighty one, The Howling. Have you seen that? No. Okay, so, and then we got nineteen eighty two, Poltergeist. Okay, I mean, yeah. this one's it has to be a it no-brainer. Would, it would seem like it. I mean, it really seems like it's a hole in one, right? For for Poltergeist. And I mean, now the meta game is seen where David is trying to lead me because he knows that I've seen Poltergeist and that I like it a lot. Bryce loves Poltergeist. I say Poltergeist. You are correct. Yeah. yeah, actually this is I think the widest margin in the whole thing. Uh they're they're anagrams of each other. Sixty eight percent is the howling, sixty eight percent fresh, and poltergeist is eighty six percent fresh. Poltergeist, do you know who directed Poltergeist? No. Not off the top of my head. Probably one of your Wait favorite horror movie directors. Wait, um, uh, boy! Now I'm now I'm bes- kind of beside myself. I can't recall who. Toby Hooper. Toby Hooper. His first movie was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh damn! He did do that. Yeah, but apparently Toby Hooper was a terrible director on Poltergeist, and pretty much who really directed that movie was Steven, Steven Spielberg. Spielberg. Yeah, like he he stepped in quite a bit on set. Wow. Yeah, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it Texas feels very Spielbergian. Yeah, it sure does. Or Senor Spielbergo, Senor Spielbergo, his Mexican counterpart. Um, so our third pairing. So that's one point for Bryce. Um, our third pairing is a, a little a little movie from 1987. You might have heard of it, uh, Hellraiser. Okay. And then we have an, and which I know you have seen, and Creepshow. Uh, which is a 1982 movie, which is another movie I know that you have seen. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is Oof. this is complex. Because Hellraiser, I think it would turn off a lot of critics. There'd be critics like Siskel and Ebert that would take a stand. Like, we, as cultural touchstones, I cannot in good conscience... <laughs> cultural touchstones. I cannot in good conscience endorse the trend of this gooey gore with tasteless violence that promotes an evil message hedonism yeah yeah you know i can't i can't promote that like there's there's a clip there's like a there's a show entire show dedicated of siskel and ebert talking about slashers yeah and how how they they it, it equals the ruin of society and it's misogynistic yeah i mean they're not completely wrong they're not wrong they're kind of missing the point yeah they they actually miss the point entirely because i mean kind of (laughs) yeah you know it's it's like well 
yeah, it's it's against hedonism. I mean, it's hedonism to to denounce hedonism, right? And uh, anyway, so that's what I think the critics' reactions would be to Hellraiser. But I love I love your show. hang on hang on I love your your quote about Siskel and Ebert as cultural touchstones. That's <laughs> can you imagine saying that fucking weird shit about yourself <laughs> like this grandiose like self dick sucking statement about about like how important you are to the community? But that's exactly what Siskel would have said. Yeah, that's what critics really think of themselves is. Well, I mean, we what are. I, what I do is important. We are definitely cultural touchstones. We are. You and me. Well, we're cu- cultural touchstones to dozens of people. <laughs> Literally hundreds. Um, um, so, so now we got uh, so pitted creep, against Creepshow. Creepshow. Creepshow, uh, I don't feel would fare well. George A. Romero and Stephen King. <sighs> um... I'm going to say Creep Show is going to win this one. Why is that? What's your What's the? Um... I think uh, the the callbacks to like 40s, 50s horror will probably do it for some critics. Be like, oh yeah, it was creative, and you know, some of the stuff fell flat, but some of it was pretty good, and um, whatever. I I think they'll. I think they would say creep shows better. Well, you're right. You're, you're definitely right. Yeah, yeah. Good job, man. You, you. I, I think that's exactly the line of reasoning that I that I would hope I would take in in, in pitting these two against each other. Yeah, creep show fresh at seventy four percent. Hellraiser also fresh, but uh, six point lo- six points lower at sixty eight percent. So our next pairing is I got I got two little people. Uh, 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 little uh, toy slashers, <laughs> toy slashers. So we have Puppet Master from 1989, and then we have Child's Play from the year before 1988. Two classic horror movies. I mean, this one's a no-brainer. Is this a no-brainer? I will be shocked if it's not Child's Play. It's got to be Child's. It's got to be Child's Play, just because it's it's a blockbuster. It's not put out by New Moon. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's a uh, I don't think puppet did puppet master even make it on screen? I I kind of don't think it did. Okay. Yeah, yeah so I I'd, I'd say I'd say Chucky. You're you're absolutely yeah. correct. Yeah, by by a pretty wide margin too. 67% to 43%. Child's Play takes the 67 and Puppet Master takes the 43. Our final pair up are is two Stephen King based movies. Uh, both in uh, the 80s. Cujo from 1983. Have you seen that one? Yep. And I have not, uh, because that's the ultimate terror for me, uh, <laughs> because my my uncle, whose house I went over to every weekend, then we would go dirt bike riding. His house was next door to the, a, you know, a, a house that owned a very large um, dog, Rottweiler, mixed with German Shep- Shepherd. And it was named Cujo, and it was Cujo, and uh, and so I was like Cujo, that's a unique name. And he's like, yeah, check check out. And he uh, he's like, he showed me the book Cujo, and like the the, I was like, oh shit, this dog. And that dog was seriously mean, and it jumped on me once and bit me in the in the arm. 
Like, oh, wow. Yeah. And so... Every, and then they put down the dog, right? Nope. No, that dog was just it was behind a rickety fence and constantly huge and barking. It was very scary. Anyway, so we're doing Cujo from 1983 versus Pet Cemetery from 1989. Have you seen Pet Cemetery, the original? I have a long time ago. I don't remember anything about it. How was Cujo? Cujo was pretty good. Mm. Yeah, it was pretty good. I look at the box. I, I don't remember that much about it either. I mean, it's pretty pretty limited. It's a lady stuck in a car Oh, for okay. most of the movie. I look at the box art for Cujo, and it's so laughably bad that uh, that I just it just feels like a goofball movie. Yeah, it's hard to say, because I actually read the book, too, so... Um, yeah, I'll say Cujo. Wow, what's your reasoning there? Um, I don't Just know. a gut feeling? Just a gut feeling. You're correct. 60%. Cujo has 60% to Pet Cemetery's 50%. Nice. Which is remarkably low. I love Pet Cemetery. Yeah. So, let's see here. You got one, two, three. You got four out of five. That is a really good, uh, really good showing from Bryce. Uh, let us know how you did on Twitter or Facebook uh, if you played along at home. And now we're going to be transitioning into horror movie news. Horror movie. Horror. Horror. Movie news. So first, uh, I, I think I, I have a couple points here. First is The Prodigy, which will be released everywhere on February 8th, apparently had to be re-edited uh, by, uh, by the crew after screening to a test audience because it was too scary, quote-unquote, too scary. You know uh, what? That's bullshit. There's no... That is marketing speak. That's great. That's a PR. Yeah. That's, a, that's a press release to be like, well, we can say we're delaying it, and we got to give a reason. It's we can't scary. say because it's shitty. <laughs> can't say we're re-editing it because it's really, really shitty, and we have to go back. This movie, a, it's too scary. Well, I actually, I actually have a a, a, a pretty decent reason that was given. Um, it is to say it's too scary is is definitely a is mincing words a bit because um, I, I think what actually ended up taking place, and oh. I, I'm very excited for this movie uh, because it, it does look it does look very promising. Uh, but I think what actually ended up taking place is they just realized that the way the movie was cut together didn't allow for certain pieces of exposition or dialogue to occur. They didn't allow. So, so let's let's let me read into this a little bit. Direct, director Nicholas McCarthy explained that during a test screening, a certain part of the movie was so alarming to the audience they they were unable to calm down enough before some integral information was conveyed forcing the audience to miss some important plot points. So it sounds like after a serious scare happened, people were fairly worked up and the appropriate amount of uh, buffer was not left into the movie before some integral information was conveyed. So I think they just probably needed to give a little br- little bit of breathing room to that scare and, uh, and, and move the exposition or dialogue or whatever takes place that's important uh, to later on. So that... Yeah, it's a corny way of saying we had to. It was just too damn scary. <laughs> yeah, it does look like it's going to be uh, great. It looks like it's a bit of a possession movie, and it's produced by the same guy that did one of my very f- 
favorite possession movies, which is The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Um, so excited to excited to see that in middle of February. Actually, that's when my daughters do. We'll be having a baby about that time. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. I think it's coming out on February eighth. Uh, hopefully, like if if it's not scary enough, maybe we can get it by February. So next uh, next piece of mo- horror movie news, Emily Von Seal wrote a super interesting piece uh, for Bloody Disgusting that you can find linked at the bottom of the page of this episode's post on our website. The article is titled, In 2018, the trend of horror films being labeled, quote, not horror films continued. But why? And uh, and she kind of, this is interesting because it comes up a lot when when you're reviewing only horror movies then you kind of have to, you know, this is something that we've dealt with. What is a horror movie? And the answer is it's pretty broad reaching. Yeah. And you can, I mean, I know we've been guilty of saying this is barely a horror movie. Yeah. And like the little stranger was barely a horror movie. For sure. But it's a spectrum. Yeah. And once it, once it's a spectrum, everybody's on it. Right. Yeah, there's horror elements in all kinds of movies. Yeah. But that doesn't make them a horror movie. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because is it a horror movie because of the subject matter? Because you could say any movie with ghosts in it can be classified as a horror movie. Yeah, but, I mean, Ghost is not a horror movie. It's a yeah. hard drama. Yeah. You know, so... And and some of the reasons that uh, Emily Von Seal gives in this article is a lot of people are using the, so they want so let's say a movie stands for something right so Get Out Get Out's not a horror movie it's a it's a social piece you know this is a commentary on I don't want it to be horror a horror movie because then it doesn't say as much about the social it doesn't, doesn't as if that hasn't always been a part of horror movies right. Like, every horror movie is a social commentary because it's a commentary on us or the worst aspects of humanity. Exactly. As if they can't be true at the same time. Right. Uh, Zombie movies are just about dead people that walk again. Right. It doesn't have any reflection on society. Nothing. There's nothing going on there. Another one of the excuses that she notes is, uh, is, it didn't scare me, so it's not horror, which is a big one. So this actually leads into... That that leads into my next piece, which is a little a little bit about Bird Box, <laughs> which seems to be a huge contention point of contention, where people are like, "This isn't a horror movie. It didn't scare me," or "This is a crappy movie." Because... Oh man! On if you're on Reddit, the subreddit for horror is our horror or uh, Reddit, and every week someone posts. A post of like, I can't find a movie that scares me anymore. Can you give me recommendations of scary movies? Because I want to be scared and it's really hard to scare me. And to me, it's a losing battle because if that's your metric for whether you're going to enjoy it, you're going to be measuring it. If you sit there and, and are thinking like, is this scaring me right now? Then no, it's not scaring you. Yeah, like you, it, to be scared or to be drawn into a movie to the point of actually suspending your delete, suspending your disbelief, and um, being affected by it. Yeah, 
you can't be asking yourself whether you're actually scared or not. Yeah, you can't be sitting there on your phone just waiting for the scare to happen because then you're not engaged. Yeah. It's plus it's like I mean you're not a child anymore at a certain point and you're not going to be curled up in the fetal position covering your head once you understand that this is a movie. Yeah. And that it's not really happening. At a certain point the best you can hope for is nostalgia. Or just the craft of it. Yeah, or the cra- or enjoyment of the craft. Or which suspense. Is, yeah, or suspense, or tension, or whatever whatever the deal is. It may not all be scary. I have a friend who uh, who who dis- dislikes um, being that fe- you know that feeling of being scared so much. I was on the phone with him yesterday, and he was like, he was like, I caught up on all your all your um, uh, podcasts, and I was like, oh great, uh, did have you seen any of those movies? And he's like, no, to be honest with you, when you play the trailer, if they have enough spooky sounds in them, I just fast forward through that shit because <laughs> I can't deal with it. I was like, that's perfect. Yeah. I mean, my wife is definitely like, she just does not like, like the feeling of being scared. So she does not like horror movies. Yeah. The next piece of horror movie news that I have is actually a little bit of, it came from social media. So you can play the intro to It Came From Social Media. Yes, it came from social media. To fill the world with terror. To bring you unforgettable suspense. (laughs) What was it? Where did it come from? Who were the all-powerful creatures it brought from social media? And what did they want on Earth? So... I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so Bird Box, our last episode, we didn't release it anywhere close to when when the actual movie was released, but people are still talking a lot about Bird Box in the horror community. Yeah, it's and not just the horror community. I mean, Bird Box, the hashtag Bird Box is still, I mean, it's been trending ever since it came out like two or three weeks ago, Mm -hmm. and it's huge. And so I made a post on our Twitter a couple days ago that was like, what's up with all the Bird Box hate? And do you love it? Do you hate it? Why? And that thing blew the fuck up. Yeah, it's the spurred the most conversation of any movie on our Twitter and Facebook. Facebook had a lot of comments on on the post too. Yeah, but and yeah, it's on all Twitter, pretty much was, organic talk too. Yeah. It's like people just coming to to the hashtag. Yeah, and it was frustrating to me because i really like the movie and i was uh, i i gave it what a nine out of ten and then i go back and read some other people's reviews of it and they're like oh it's so bad what a hot piece of garbage i'm like what are you talking what? about Did I... it's a weird place to be in to review movies and to take a stand on what your opinion of it is because then you realize like if it's not what the hive mind says you're like what's wrong with me like do i have bad taste no it's the children that are wrong (laughs) (laughs) but then i read like the 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 comments on it and the criticisms and and i just indicated and i just don't agree yeah i'm just like okay oh well i feel like some people just didn't understand it or didn't get it what what the movie was going for or it just didn't impact them because I have different life experiences or I'm a different spot in my life to where the things that resonate that aren't, it doesn't beat it over your head, but 
in terms of like protecting children. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I tell you that what. is that is very suspenseful, and the all the emotions and interpersonal relationships around protecting children. There's an unwritten and unsaid understanding of what that entails. Yes, and and I think to add to that, I think it, before I had had a child, I would not have had as nearly a strong re- a reaction to this movie or any movie where you have to protect children, mm-hmm. where children are are in grave danger. It just adds an element of you. Re- oh, that's my child in this movie. I oh oh no, I have to protect him or her and. Um, and so there is there is that piece that everybody's everybody has a different experience. The other the other part about you know doing movie reviews is I've really really quickly started to realize that it's just everybody's opinion, man. This, hey, man, that's just like your opinion. And yeah, people have different tastes. Yes, and and reviewers, you know, uh, critics, n- no different. It's they're not they they don't have better taste than you. They just have a taste that many people resonate with or maybe maybe not maybe they have controversial taste but in any event we're just people you're just people i think the reason bird box has so much controversy surrounding it is because of what you mentioned last episode which is it has a huge amount of people viewing it mm-hmm. not just horror fans sandra bullock fans blockbuster fans anybody with a netflix account basically Anybody with a Netflix yeah, account has watched Netflix this. came out, and there, there's a bit of controversy in the in the movie industry about this. Uh, streaming platforms just not being very transparent about their statistics, and so movie studios and filmmakers aren't able to see how popular a movie is really because they're not given those statistics about who watched it and what demographics watched it. Because Netflix keeps that all on their own as you know their intellectual property or their you know for research personal data yeah Yeah, and netflix came out and one of the probably the first time ever said specifically how many views bird box had and it was down to you know single digits of how specific it was like 45 you know, five forty-five million five hundred something thousand blah 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 Two. in the first seven days, and it defined what a viewer was as they watched over seventy percent of the movie, um, and they were unique viewers. Unique viewers, yeah. And uh, that's really impressive. It was like seventy percent of their subscribership or something like that. That's insane. Which is crazy which is why i think this movie is so controversial because like i said you have such a so if bird box came out in theaters the people who would go see it are people who want to go see a horror movie specifically they want to go see bird box because it's bird box it's such a higher threshold yeah you gotta pay money you gotta get in the car you gotta gotta drive there you you gotta gotta find somebody to go movies Yeah. yeah you gotta find what movies are playing where when does Who to work? go with? Coordinate schedule, yeah. Um, yeah, all that stuff. And with Netflix, you just like you're on your phone. You're like, well, I'm tired of looking at Twitter. What now? Oh, yeah, a couple hours. Maybe I can start. Yeah, Bird Box. So now you have all these people who wouldn't normally have seen this movie, and they all have different opinions about it. So I just thought that was interesting, an interesting thing that hit our Twitter. So what are what are the the common things that people said that they hate about it? <laughs> 
there's not enough character development. That was a big one. Yeah. To which I respond, the whole fucking movie is, n- it, it's all basically only character development. And then the other one is, the plot never goes anywhere. <laughs> what are like, you talking Literally, about? the plot is going somewhere. They're going somewhere. That is the plot. Yeah, this is a, this is a character piece. Yeah, and then the the final one that came up over and over again was... I didn't get n- to see the monster. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't believe people said that. I didn't get to see the monster. I'm like Now oh. I know. Now I know why I have to see the fucking monster so much. Because yeah. there's a bunch of people out there who really legitimately want to see the monster. Who are like, why didn't I get to see it? And it's like, because you would have been disappointed for sure. And then I, th- the guy that said that, I was, I was like, it's better if they don't. Because your mind fills it in. And you would just be disappointed if they showed it to you. And he's like... Yeah, but I was envisioning, like, a Cthulhu monster with tentacles and stuff, and they never showed it. I'm like, that's... That's the, the point. point. Yeah. Because if they showed it, it would have been a giant snake with a baby face, and, and it would have been like, that's dumb. And it's different. For The pr- basis of the monster is it's different for everyone. It is your own personal horror. So right. it can't, by its very nature, it can't be shown. There's just so many things that... It, yeah. And then the the other one was... They they never explained anything. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. That you mean it didn't hold your hand the whole way through? And it's kind of the point to be ambiguous. Yeah. You know? I really appreciate that about a movie. I really, really enjoy when they just give me the elements that I need to move on through the movie. And in terms of storytelling, the the characters don't know either. Right. And they can't. The nature of the monster is you can't look at it. You yeah. can't, and you can't know about it because it doesn't come out with a, a loudspeaker and go, "Hey, I'm a monster. I uh, I come I come to you in the the vision that is scariest to you personally." Yeah, it's like watching Independence Day and saying it's not good because it never explained what star system the aliens came from and why they wanted to kill people. Yeah, nobody cares. Like, but uh, of course, a bunch of people do care, and of course, their opinion is their opinion. But it's just like your opinion, man. Yeah. Well, we liked it. We liked we're, it. We're on Team Bird Box. <laughs> team Team Sandra. Sandra. Team Sandy. Sandy. So speaking of Netflix, they just added a ton of horror movies uh, to their platform this month. If you want some good stuff to watch on Netflix, here's what they've added recently in terms of horror. Jason X, which is actually a pretty decent uh, entry into the, into the Friday the 13th franchise. Uh, it's Jason in Space. And <laughs> and uh, and it's worth a watch. Um, also, Ghost Ship and Eight Legged Freaks with uh, David Arquette, who's now a um, a wrestler. I think and David he's Arquette is insane. Yeah. yeah, well, he's a wrestler. Sure. Gothica with Halle Berry. That that I, I went and saw that in theaters. That was that was a uh, fun kind of thriller. Cellular and. Uh, the butterfly effect as well with Ashton Kutcher. And then there was another one, um, the autopsy of something, something. Oh, okay. And the autopsy of something, something. I can't remember. Um, on that note, uh, on Shutter right now, if you if you head over to Shutter, and this will be my plug for Shutter, enter HMT at checkout, and you get thirty days of free subscription to Shutter. Um, <laughs> so my picks for Shutter right now these are um, these are available for viewing right now on Shutter. We got Mandy, 
um, which um, was a Shutter exclusive. I think you can actually get it on Amazon, but you guys should head on over to Shutter and subscribe using HMT at checkout. Creepshow 2, Phantasm, Phantasm 3, and 4. Phantasm is a, uh, that's a sleeper cult classic. Not Phantasm 2, though. Not Phantasm 2, not available. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. The Hills Have Eyes, the original. You got Revenge, which is a, um, that's a Shudder exclusive. Chud and The Stuff, which are like 80s cult, like the, you will recognize, Google, Google Chud and Google The Stuff. And you'll, if, if you're, if you're a kid from the 80s, you'll, you'll go, oh yeah, I remember that. Used to go to chud.com to get all my movie news. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's a great website. Okay. They're, they're probably still up. They like, yeah. Anyways, go ahead. Summer of 84, which is actually a big uh, exclusive for Shudder and a very popular horror movie from 2018. Halloween, the original. Heathers, which is just a, one of the greatest thrillers ever made. I haven't seen the movie, but I've seen the musical. Oh. <laughs> which actually wasn't that bad. Winona Ryder and what's-his-face? The Christian the, Slater? Christian Slater, thank you. Yeah. The Host, which is a Korean uh, horror movie that's pretty good, and obviously the the one that you're that everybody wants to see on Shutter right now, Wolf Cop. Uh, uh, wolf man is he a cop that's a wolf? Yes, or a wolf that's a cop? Mm-hmm. No, the first one. Okay. He's a cop that's a wolf. All right. So with that. That is our episode. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it if you would share this show with a friend, uh, anybody who likes horror or even doesn't like horror and wants to know about horror. That works. Uh, subscribe to us. We release episodes every Wednesday. Um, if you want to help out the show, go ahead and use our uh, the the link at the top of our website to browse through to Amazon and buy anything you might need from kitty litter to razors, whatever you need at Amazon. And it will give us a little bit of the, a little, a little bit of that sweet, sweet transaction money. Um, if you'd like to give us some feedback, if you, if there's a part of the show that you hate or a part of the show that you love, take our audience survey and let us know about it and let us know a little bit about you. And we'll be happy to make changes for you, our our beloved listeners. Yeah, we've gotten a got a, a well. This is someone we know, but um, some in, input on stuff that's getting a little tired, <laughs> stuff that doesn't quite work, and uh, so you might have noticed we didn't do taglines today. Yeah, taglines is a perennial bit. You know, if 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 we leave it in if we leave it in the cupboard to gather a little dust, then it'll be special when we do break it out. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and because uh, right now it is getting stale, and our ability to come up with decent taglines is getting oh, pretty cringy. Uh, wait a minute, uh, it's I getting mean, pretty cringy. Uh-huh. <laughs> so with that, check us out at horrormovietalk.com. Look for uh, Keith's blog this week; it's a good one. And we love you very much, and have a great new year. Bye, bye, bye.